The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? Heroin was the first opiate I'd ever tried. I'd never done a pink, I'd never even taken a Vicodin before that. I just, because on the East Coast it's powder, and so somebody had like poured it out in front of me at my own house party, and I did it. I'll never forget, I did it, and then like this girl was like, who can drive stick that can that wants to smoke a blunt? And I was like, I do. And we like went and had sex in the front seat of her car and some cul-de-sac. And then like, it was just this wild night. And I woke up the next day and I was like, what happened? And someone was like, you did heroin last night. And I was like, <gasps> That was a quick clip from this week's bonus episode with my friend, Jeff Epstein. Yes, that's his real name. Yes, he's alive. Jeff is a podcast host and pop culture fanatic who's known for his viral Instagram account, It's Jeff Epstein, and his hilarious podcast, Pop Goggles. I actually asked him the other day, I'm like, what does Pop Goggles mean? And he goes, Alexis, it's a lens into pop culture. Duh. Jeff was also a heroin addict, just like me, having used from the age of 17 until finally getting sober at 26. Now, Two and a half years sober, he's here to share his story, which includes more than a few arrests, several times in jail, and multiple overdoses. I love a fun and lighthearted episode too, so we do keep it pretty light in this one. And we go over our favorite early 2000s starlet meltdown moments in pop culture history. So with that, here is Jeff's episode. I'm from New Jersey. I was a highly medicated kid. I always say I came out of the womb problematic. My trauma is internal. I think for a while I looked for external traumas when I, you know, in recovery. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't necessarily have it. It's just me. It's just this fucking mind. And I think by the age of like five, my parents were like, this kid's a nut because I would freak out if there were like more than three objects on any surface. And I had severe OCD, like severe diagnosed, not like people who like, I'm so clean. I have OCD. I'm like, okay. Um, You're like, no, bitch. I've soft scrubbed my sink eight times today. <laughs> you have like, no, no idea. No, I th- would throw a crying <laughs> shit. And I'd be like, man, there's a fucking fourth object. And she's like, You're five, go to school. And there was things like that and just severe ADD and severe depression. So, yeah, I was just a very um, diagnosed, medicated kid. And I come from a family of like, we rely on medications, that's our solution. And internally, I was never okay. And so I think that I was always looking forward to, I was always looking forward to two things. I wouldn't, I couldn't wait to grow up so that I could drink and drive separately. But like, like. But then you ended up doing it together. (laughs) Like, of course I got a DUI, but like, I wanted to get my license and I wanted to drink and do drugs. Like, I feel like a lot of kids, like when I'm older, I'm not going to drink or do drugs. I was like, I'm definitely doing both. Definitely doing drugs. (laughs) I was like, I can't wait to do drugs. (laughs) Yeah. It's How a, old were you when you first started using like more illicit drugs? Well, what do we consider illicit? Okay, anything weed, like okay, okay. you know, um, anything that's not prescribed. 
I, even when I was like 10, my brother and I would sneak a few beers from like our family, like my sisters would give them to us. I have older sisters and we would like do that and like take their burnt cigarettes and smoke on our treehouse. But I think it was like 15 when I started partying and like drinking. And then I would say 15 was like drinking weed, 16 Coke, 17 heroin, and then comes everything else. And you got sober at 26? 26 and I'm about to turn 29. Do you like how I knew that? Like I, I really knew. do. That was, that was You're like, I just listened to our podcast to refresh myself. No, no, I didn't even, I just remembered that you had a ra- like around three years and that we were the same age. When's your birthday? I was just going to say mine's next month. When's your birthday? Next month. What's the day? I knew this. Wait, you know mine. Cause I told you whose birthday I ha- share. He's no, I don't know person. yours. I don't remember. June 14th. Cause it's Donald Trump's birthday. Oh, June 14th. That's my dad's birthday too. Like what, I mean, obviously I know what it's like living like a heroin addict, but it's still, it's different for other people. Like what, and especially being in the LGBTQ community and like, Mm. which I feel like for gay guys, it's mainly like coke and meth. It's not shooting up heroin. I'm the only one of like my fellows that is the heroin addict. Well, I know of one other, um, I'll leave his name in on. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not that common in, like, especially in the WeHo community. I think it's mainly smoking meth and bumping Coke. Yeah. I guess to me, they don't go hand in hand. It's just like, I fell in love with opiates. Like heroin was the first opiate I'd ever tried. I'd never done a pink, I'd never even taken a Vicodin before that. I just, cause on the East coast it's powder. And so somebody had like poured it out in front of me at my own house party and I did it. I'll never forget. I did it. And then like this girl was like, who can drive stick that can, that wants to smoke a blunt. And I was like, I do. And we like went and had sex in the front seat of her car and some cul-de-sac. And then like, it was just this wild night. And I woke up the next day and I was like, what happened? And someone was like, you did heroin last night. And I was like, <gasps> and I was like, I'm let's surprised get your dick worked. Like usually when people are using dope, you're like, you cannot have an orgasm or get a heart on. I don't know how either, but I think I was drunk too. And it was just like a disaster. But I was like, what? I was like, something was like different. Like I didn't, that wasn't like a normal fucked up. And then they were like, we gave you heroin. And then I was like, let's get it again. How many girls have you had sex with? Um, maybe five. I find this really interesting because my very best gay friend, well, I have a couple, but my oldest, longest, best gay friend was always surrounded by girls. And anytime that he was drunk, he would try to fuck me like every single time (laughs) he wanted to make out with me. I mean, he would like grope me even after I knew that he was gay. And I just don't know how common that is. Like, that's uncommon. Mine was like pre-coming out. Yours was pre-coming out. So, but, but how do you, so I'm bi. So like having said, I find girls and guys attractive and just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Were you kind of just like a hole's a hole and like I'll get a hard on and we can make it work? Or were you like so drunk that it just happened? No, so many people ask that question. You know what it is? I feel like to me, it's just like sex is attractive. And like, I, I'm not sexually attracted to girls, but like in the moment, like I'm a horny person. So I guess like, that's what it was. You just make it work. You just make it work. Like I, yeah, I like sex. So I have left, <laughs> especially now. I'm like, that's all I have left. <laughs> no, I know. Wait, do you have a lot of sex? Cause you're sober. And I feel like that's all we have left. 
Um, so (laughs) 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 this is a fucking great podcast. Um, so I will say that while we have less sex, cause we have young children and we're like exhausted come eight o'clock, like bedtime can't like my kids wake me up at crack of dawn, like five 30. And then by like eight 30, by the time they're in bed and asleep, we're so exhausted. I will say that the quality of our sex life has gotten exponentially better with each year of marriage. And so it's more about like quality over quantity. So while we make sure we definitely have had dry spells, but we make sure to have sex on a regular basis and we make it a priority. And in quarantine, we've been, you know, sticking the kids on iPads and having like day sex in the closet, which is kind of fun. And you just, you make it work. I'm also so attracted to your husband. So, wow. He is. He's a babe. And you know what makes him just so exponentially hot is that he's so smart and he's so kind and he's so loving and he's such a good dad and he's such a good partner. And so I almost feel like he gets the shit end of the stick in our relationship because I'm like, I am (laughs) (laughs) as like good as you're like, I bring nothing. Like, like, why do you like me? I don't understand (laughs) why you like me. Um, I had to do a 10 step because I am very, I found myself to be very resentful towards couples during quarantine. I like had this, and especially because like I was going through, I've been going through a breakup or like I was broken up with at the end of October. And so that's happened. And then like the beginning of February, I found out he was dating somebody else. And so I like picture them and it's just been like other couples in the period. I'm like, you motherfuckers. Cause like I'm alone and you guys get to have sex and you guys have a lover. And like, it's been a whole thing. It's been like, I've had to work through it. Quarantine heart is hard though. When you live by yourself and when you're isolated. Yeah, I think what it is, it's like, it's just amplified everything. Everyone's like, how are you doing quarantine? And I'm like, I'm actually, okay. honestly, like I'm treating like vacation. What I do every day is I walk, I'm always in my bathing suit anyways. So I just like walk around outside shirtless in my bathing suit in sandals with like a sparkling beverage. And I just like act like I'm strolling through like the Bahamas. And I'm like going down Hollywood and Vine. And I'm just like, and all day long, I love it. But the like any emotional stuff that was there before, which was like the heartbreak has just been amplified. So like being alone, I'm just like, uh. I think that um, we've been talking about that and that's a common theme just in my community and, you know, in general for people is all of a sudden the world came to a standstill and everything that kept us busy and distracted for our lives ceased to exist. And now we're having to slow down and everything that we haven't dealt with is kind of starting to like come up. Thank God for the work. You said that you did a 10th step and I just, I kind of wish everybody had like AA or like some sort of a program. So what was your bottom like? And when did you finally surrender and go, okay, I've got to fucking get sober. And what was that first year like for you? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, so I think when I last was speaking about the using was when I, okay. So I said like, I tried when I was 17, whatever. And then, um, I feel like a lot of people say this when they share or when they speak at a meeting, it's like, Oh, it was fun until it wasn't. It really like wasn't fun from the get go. Once I started doing dope, it like was not fun. You know that it's, it's, it becomes You're a slave. miserable right away. And so I just did that for so long, so long, so long. But like, I guess I just didn't have a ton of consequences or it was okay. And then from like 24 to 26, I'd gone back to my parents in New Jersey to like detox and try to like get it together. And I went back there and I got arrested like five times within a year. 
And all I did, it was at this point where it was just me laying in bed at my parents' house. I'm not kidding you all day long. Like I would, I would pee in a water bottle next to my bed. I wouldn't even get up to pee. And it was so, so dark. And I'm just in this box, this hopeless box where it's like one side of the box is you keep living like you are, but you can't do that. The other side of the box is like, you want to kill yourself, but I didn't have the courage to do that. The other side of the box is like, you, somebody kills you, but that's not an option. And then the other side is like, you fucking get sober you, or you get help. And that was the only options left, option left. I always say like, I, I got to this hopeless point and everyone's bottom is the point of hopelessness. Mine exterior wise had to look bad. I had to lose everything and have a lot of legal stuff. But like inside, it was just, I lost hope. And I was in that box and I was like, this is the only other route. And I remember I was with my mom and I'm crying and she's like, what do you want me to do? And I was like, well, I want you to kill me, but I know you can't. And so I guess we're at an impasse (laughs) and I'm just like, wow. And I just like, I was so resentful towards people that died or overdosed. Like I wanted to die so bad. And I, it was so unfair to me. I was like, I've been doing dope for like 10 years. And these people like have been using for a year and they die. Like, why not me? And like, yeah, I was very resentful towards being alive. And then on my last arrest, I was sitting in jail and I remember I was like on detainers and things like that. And then somehow after a week, like those got lifted and I got released and like, I ended up getting charged with something, but like just got extended probation for it and all that. And I remember just thinking like, okay, kind of that first glimpse of like a higher power. And then I stopped doing dope. This was July 17th, 2017. That was the last time I did dope. And then for like the next six months, I kind of was like slowly getting over things. I had some health problems. I had drug-induced lupus, which was nuts. You didn't go to, to treatment? No, no. Anytime wow. like detox, I always did. I, I hated detoxing and treatment. It's brutal. And I never take subs. Like, I don't do any of that. I no, I kick cold turkey every time I've gotten sober. But still, like a treatment environment where you're going no. to therapy and stabilizing on anti-psych meds or whatever. Okay. I always found it more difficult. And I always had like my own little thing. And so I did that. And then I slowly started like getting off because I became super addicted to Ambien. That was like my second thing. And I, mm-hmm. I was taking at some points like 70 Ambien a day, which is like nuts. And there was that. And there was like a few overdoses. And then I was like, okay, this was like all 2017. And then I thought, yeah, I don't want to do this. And so I slowly like started weaning myself off my meds too over those few months. Like I was like, okay, off the Ambien, off the Xanax, all that. And then I wanted to get my probation transferred so I could like come back to LA like I had planned to do. Like I only planned on being in New Jersey for a month and I was there for two years. And she was like, there's like a 5% chance that it will go through. And I was like, okay, just do it. And then I said to myself, I was like, if this goes through, like that's my higher power telling me like you're going to get sober. And I got a call in the beginning of January, 2018. And she's like, it went through, you have to be there in a week. And I had a glass of wine on the plane or in the airport right before I hopped on the plane came on the plane, landed, went to a meeting, been sober ever since. Wow. Yeah. That's fucking epic. It was crazy. But like that year leading up to it, especially, it was just, I mean, I'm telling you, it was just like when the span of like a month or, or the span of three months, it was like three arrests, three overdoses. And it was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I just love to hear variations in people's stories, like about that getting sober is never just this like linear experience. Like you just go to meetings or you just, drop the drugs or you blah, 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 blah. Sometimes it's like, okay, I'm going to get off the Ambien and that takes a couple of months. And I'm going to get off the Xanax and I'm going to stop doing dope. And then, and then I'm going to stop drinking and I'm going to start going to meetings. And there are just these periods, you know, of 
moments of clarity. And as the drug kind of induced haze starts to lift, you just have a little bit more, you know, consciousness where you're able to go, okay, so what's the next right step for me? And it's a process. Um, you mentioned higher power and I have always been curious, uh, you know, especially with people in the LGBTQIA, is that right? Community is so much now. So much. (laughs) (laughs) So the full alphabet, you know, I know for me, I have a really profound relationship with a higher power who I know loves me, even though I'm attracted to the opposite gender and have had sex with girls. What's that like for you? Well, so I grew up in a, not a religious household at all. Like my dad's technically Jewish, my mom's technically Catholic, but like all we, we celebrated Christmas. We lived in Menorah a few times, but we had never once went to like a church or a temple. Like that was not it, just not religious. My parents just never introduced that to us. And so I think I was always kind of agnostic. At one point, maybe I thought I was atheist, but probably, probably not. I feel like I always thought there was something. Um, and then what it is now, it's like, it's just this existence. And I don't question it. I actually always tell my sponsees or, or when I speak, I always say, I stopped questioning it because before I entered that program, that God word was really, I was very fear, fearful of it and it was off-putting. And then I'm like, why do I care what the name of it is? Why do I care what I think it is? If it's just the spirit and this existence that's helping me, which I knew there was an indication that it was there when I was in jail and I got released. And when that transfer went through and all that, I was like, it's just something. Stop asking questions. And that was my big thing about going into the program. And that's like my best, best advice. And it carries over into the spirituality aspect. I think that's where faith comes in, in a really beautiful way is when we're just ready and willing to like let go and, and have faith that something exists. And I think it's only humans, of course, with our, own God complexes that we put a, like, as if God can really be defined, like as if we can, (laughs) as if we have the capability to know exactly what God is, you know, like whether he's some big bearded man in the sky or whether he is the creator and, and every single thing, whether it's nature, whether it's this planet, whether it's the universe, who knows? Yeah. Like, who can I turn it over to? And I think it just went back. Like I had a sponsor recently that was kind of struggling with the concept of God and things like that. And I'm very blunt. And I was like, stop fucking asking questions. Stop it now. And he's like, oh, no. and I was like, stop just enough. If it works, it works. And all I know is like, I pray morning and night. I don't know who the fuck it's to. I'm saying something, but like something's looking out for me. I don't, I don't classify it as someone. It's just something that it could be a one. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So. When did you develop or start doing your like social media and your podcast? That was a month before I got sober. This was December 2017. And so I started it and I had a blog called Pop Goggles. And I was like, oh, I'll come up with this Instagram to kind of like drive traffic to it. And I was like, oh, everyone loves a meme. So like if I come up with that, it will it will gain traction and then I'll bring it back there. And then as it gained traction, like A, I realized I didn't want to bring the blog back. And I was like, okay, forget it. I realized that I eventually wanted to do a podcast. And then the idea behind the account had shifted. Like it became a lot more of myself. And then I realized I also didn't think I'd get sober a month after and then, and you know, kind of be able to have a platform. And then I realized that I was like, as I was being open, I was helping other people get sober. And the content has shifted in the beginning. It was all drug and drinking memes. And now it's different. And I try to like balance it without feeling inauthentic. Like the tweet this morning was good because it was like, 
that's something from the past and I'm able to like recognize it and make fun of it. But it all started to shift. And then I came out with the podcast. It will be a year next month. When you decide to come up with a podcast, because I, I think a lot of people often ask me like, oh, how do you, how do you decide to <laughs> just go for it? So many people have a podcast. So you get DMs all the time about like, how do I start a podcast? How do I start a podcast? How do I start a podcast? And just like how, do I, how do I make my podcast successful? People are like, how did you move across the country? I'm like, you buy a ticket and you get on a plane and you go, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, the, I'll do the ask me anything. And one of the biggest questions is, how did you move across the country to Los Angeles? And I'm like, I don't understand the question. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, yeah, really, it's, a, it's really a lot. I don't know. I, I just, I think that you have to find the thing that you're passionate about right? And find your niche. And for you, it's like pop culture and sobriety, which is great. What it is, it's like, yeah, I think that I knew I wanted to have something based in pop culture. And then I incorporate like, there's a segment in the beginning, the messy stories, which you have by far won. Nobody has come close in every podcast. What was the messy story I told? The one with you and Tess going overseas in the Paris. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's so good. I'm like, guys, the bar is set so high, so you better come ready. And nobody has even come close. Um, Bummer. I know. But so I incorporate that segment and I kind of tweeted this yesterday. I was like, pop culture, like drugs and drinking is pop culture. So that can be a segment of it. But I also don't want to act like it's yeah. a sobriety podcast. Like some girl wrote this nasty review. It was like, I don't see how this is supposed to be helping people. And I'm like, that's not it's the not. point. It's, like it's fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't it's a different approach like you have a recovery podcast or something like that and like it's a different approach and I think what's cool is like same with my account and my podcast it's the attraction rather than promotion method where it's like people also mm-hmm. see this relatable stuff and they're like oh wait this dude's sober but like I'm laughing with him and it's all this stuff and then they realize it it's like that undercurrent and that's just who I am and I'm sharing my life but it's a pop culture podcast it's not sobriety so that girl can Fuck off. Um, <laughs> your happy Mother's Day to Dina Lohan post was also one of my... <laughs> Does that mean? I thought it was hilarious. Um, well, you know I love your Lindsay ties. Ble- <laughs> Bless her. She, as I said in the comment section, is the antithesis of what we can all hope to be as mothers. <laughs> and you know what's great too is that like so many people then will like dm me kind of boots on the ground stuff about whoever i post about so they dm me stuff about dina and oh it's incredible her oh, about I like need to there's know like the updates. stuff with her like carvels in long island and like outback steakhouses and like just i can't even tell you what Lots of her like smoking cigs, waiting in like an, an old seven series while Allie runs in to get beer in a seven eleven, like lots of stories like that. Wow. Yeah. Um, they put the Spears family to shame. Can we talk for a moment about um pop culture icons that have had a history of substance abuse? Give me your top five and why. Top iconic party girl moments in pop culture history. Oh, well, moments. Okay. So Lindsay is number one. I mean, buying meth in Venice. The, the car chase, the car, <laughs> the car chase. chase what she did was she stole her assistant's mom. She stole her assistant's car and like chased her assistant's mom on the oh, PCH Jesus and was Christ. doing circles around her and then ended up in the parking lot of the Santa Monica police station and they arrested her. Okay. 
I so there's that. And then sealing the necklace. Necklace. And Those there's I mean, there's so many more. The dance in Mykonos. Oh, the dance in Mykonos. <laughs> <laughs> there's one where she's literally just smoking a cigarette and doing with a cast on and doing high kicks in the middle of the street. <laughs> there's, Epic. there's Paris is a cunt. I never said that. Paris is my friend. Um, there's Paris. There's her running out and saying, Paris Hilton hit me. And I'm you're saying this on tape. And you heard that. Oh, that was so good. So yes. many. All right. So that's the ones for Lindsay, but there's, they're endless. And then, um, Amanda Bynes. Bong out the window. Bong out the window. Murder, murder my pussy, Drake. <laughs> Drake. <laughs> and lighting the driveway on fire, fire. in Thousand Oaks, California. Okay. My hometown. <laughs> okay. okay. Paris is probably the coke arrest. Her saying that's not my purse. The purse is too cheap to be mine. <laughs> and we both agree that Paris is not at all. No, she's just a party girl. She does not. I don't, we don't consider her an addict or anything. We just, she's a party girl through and through. She's an heiress. She can get away with it. She can do bumps of cocaine and go to work the next day. Totally. Which is like members we don't of my know family. How she does it. Members of my family do that. Like We I'm, don't know how she does it, but our hats are off to her. Exactly. Number four, now that you're kind of bringing it back to moments, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember when Kimberly Store was on the motorcycle on the red carpet? Yes. <laughs> and she yes. revved it and flew off. <laughs> <laughs> so that. <laughs> yes. Also, someone who's probably not an addict and just a party girl who is an heiress and can do cocaine on, you know, three days a week and be fine. Yeah, so that's just a moment. Um, but I wonder where she's at in her life now. She's like a great mom, and she's like, really? she, had a, she had a kid with Benicio del Toro. And, I have no um, idea. Okay. Is like I'm going to have to look her up. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then another one, which like, this is actually one, I'm not kidding. I used to bring her na- name up in rehab is Nicole Richie because like, mm. she's not sober, but like she was somebody that used to do heroin and things like that. So when I would be in rehab, I'd be like, Nicole Richie used to do heroin and she still <laughs> drinks. And they're like, Jeff. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, why? Why can't I be Nicole Richie? I don't understand. But like no, her, I, her driving onto a freeway off ramp in Glendale. Off the backwards. She was driving the wrong way. Driving line. on an off ramp. Yeah. The opposite <laughs> direction yeah. that she was supposed to be going. That was great. Simple Life. One of the greatest reality TV shows in all of history. Period. period. I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah. Early 2000s reality trash TV. So good. Think of a Housewives moment, specifically Wait. Real Housewives of New York. I will, but two, I want to do two special nods. Okay. One to Tara Reid. Oh, and forever the tit out on the carpet. And then goes on to do Sharknado. I mean, are you kidding? Talk about a comeback kid. Do you ever see Paradise, <laughs> her one season reality show? No, that's on my next. It was on E. It's a watch. It's a must watch. (laughs) And then another special nod to Misha Barton. Amazing. 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 (laughs) She really is. Just, I want everyone to do me a favor and Google pictures of Misha Barton old Cadillac. Just do it. Okay. So Housewives of New York. Housewives of New York. Iconic moments. Like drunken, you know. So my first moment is the Berkshires where I have two that come to mind because I just got up to date. I was five seasons behind and in Real Housewives of New York. And it really is a gift that keeps on giving. Jackie Schimmel told me, you have to watch this. It, it truly is something else. And so I did. So the Berkshires 
where Bethany loses it on Luann is probably, I mean, I've never seen anything like that. You're a slut, you're a liar, you're a hypocrite, and you're a snake. (laughs) You're a snake. (laughs) And then um, more recently, when they went to Ramona's house and they all got shit-faced with that one girl who was sober, Leah, and who is no longer sober because... She's okay, but she was throwing the tiki torches. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just talk about the fact that Ramona Singer has tiki torches lighting her pool in her like four million (laughs) dollar home, and she has fucking Costco tiki torches around the pool. And then they wake up the next morning, and there's a dildo in the (laughs) chicken. There's a vibrator in the chicken. I, okay, I love Ramona Singer and I love that. It's so Ramona of her to have tiki torches from Costco. (laughs) I can't, I'm crying. I, so I loved it. I actually said something controversial. People were kind of mad because I said like, I'm loving this season, but there's no plot line. And usually there there is none. There's none. And I said, listen, I like watching them get drunk too, but I need a plot. Like I see, that's a typical Tuesday at my family's house. My family's wild. Like we wake up with stuff in the chicken too. There's people burning things down. There's people stealing bikes from the neighbors at 3 a.m. Like things go down. And so I was like, I need more. I'm Googling Nisha Barton old catalog. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Did you oh, see her? you have to watch the video of her no, getting gas? Or which, No, there's which so many of her it? just like smoking a blunt, riding around on this old Cadillac looking insane. Like oh, she looks God so bless. out of it. God bless. And it would always break down. And she would get towed all over the place, still smoking yeah, a it's, joint. It's often being and this modeling photo of of her in those shoes. Those are very similar to my little brown baby. Kid. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you ever tell your view your listeners that you sold them? I sold them on my Poshmark. I believe it was. I'm livid. For $30, along with the shirt that I wore for also around $30, which mm-hmm. is really such a shame. I do, however, have the shirt, the glittery black shirt that I wore to Gabby's 16th whore party birthday, which <laughs> is pretty great. When she was like, I just want to have a normal 16th birthday with fondue and a birthday cake and <laughs> for polls. And she's like, this isn't some kind of whore party, Alexis. <laughs> does she think that you were a bad influence on her no see here's the thing that people don't realize or know so here's some juicy scoop is that gabby was like raving when she was 13 years old yes now she was always the good kid though she never got in trouble she never did too much drugs she never <laughs> put in too much too much drugs. <laughs> Okay. She, she, <laughs> she, you know, I really love this podcast. Every once in a while, we have to break up the heavy shit and just have like a dish session. And this is, this has really been it. And there was moments where she, it was so bad that I remember saying she would sneak out with Tess and I would get pissed. And I'd be like, Tess, you can't bring her. She's 14 years old. And Tess would be like, shut the fuck up. And then she would put, throw Gabby in her car at like midnight and they would go out until like 4.30 or 5 in the morning and then come home. And I never approved of it. So they were, there was definitely like a lot of partying and stuff going on. But I think that 
with my arrest and when she realized that I was using smoking so many oxys every day and using heroin. <laughs> yeah. Um, it kind of like it was like scared straight where she was yeah. like, Oh, I shouldn't be raving anymore and I, you know, I sh- clearly shouldn't be doing drugs like this. So she kind of had her moment and overall when it came to the show, she was very innocent. Like she didn't want to wear makeup the whole time we filmed, which she regrets now. She didn't want to move from our house. She didn't want to live in Hollywood. She didn't, she was very young and just wanted to be a kid. And unfortunately, you know, I don't know. She doesn't feel like I was a bad influence on her. She feels like because of all of my drama that I kind of took away from her childhood. Does that make sense? Yeah. My brother had, I have a twin brother and he, I feel like he resents me for a lot of that and just taking the attention away or like, her, my sister, him and my sister will kind of chat and be like, mom was so focused on you for such a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Which in our defense is not really our fault because we're like traumatized children who are drug addicts. So what do you want us to do? Yeah. I can apologize now. And I'm like, I recognize it now. Whereas of course in the moment you're not as self-aware, but no. I'm like, I was struggling. Struggling. Like what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, Well, with that said, you know, thanks for the laughs. This has been great. (laughs) This is probably one of the highlight podcasts to date. I might get fired. (laughs) You're Um, like, thanks for ruining my career. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at Recovering From Reality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 